Hi friends, and welcome to Racy Friendship, a show about the twists, turns, highs, and lows of friendship told through radically authentic conversations. In each episode, I interview a friend about a challenging topic, and we discuss how to become better friends and nurture healthier, more life-giving relationships. We've all been through some tricky situations between friends, so why navigate these dilemmas on our own if we can learn from others around us? I am your host, Alex Yee, and I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hi friends, I know it's been a while since our last episode. I have something special for you all to make up for it. Ta-da! My first solo episode! I didn't think I'd ever do this because I love interviewing others, but this is a special treat. See, a few weeks ago, I was prepping my next episode starring my amazing boyfriend. I was so excited to release the episode since I know a lot of my listeners are my friends and family. Thanks all for the love! But just as I was putting the finishing touches on the episode and planning the social media posts, my body unexpectedly plunged into a battle for my life. Unfortunately, I was sick with the highly contagious, deadly virus we've all come to hate, COVID-19. Not sure where I got it from or how, I was careful and only went to do essential errands like go to the doctor, vet, pet store, and grocery store. I was double masked and went when there was hardly anyone in the vicinity. Yet, I still managed to catch it. Thankfully, only I got pretty sick and my friends and family were spared. It was one of the toughest battles I've had to fight both physically, mentally, and emotionally. I was physically alone, taking care of myself through the painful symptoms. I even went to the ER, but I didn't fight it alone. Some incredible people were loving and supporting me from afar. Without my friends, I'm not sure how I would have won my battle. I'd like to tell you my fight story and how I survived COVID-19 with the help of my friends. Let me start by saying that COVID-19 is a very strange thing and definitely no joke. Before I tell you about how my friends helped me fight this virus, I'm going to share with you how I came to know I was sick and describe the progression of my illness. COVID is unlike any other virus. It varies greatly person to person. There are times in which you feel hopeless as symptoms rage, and there are times in which all of a sudden you feel better and think you're turning a corner, only then to turn back towards chaos. So, here's my COVID story. On the evening of Thursday, February 4th, I had some nasty headaches. Friday again, I had headaches. Then a mostly normal weekend, saw my boyfriend, best friends, and parents. I thought it was all stress-induced headaches until I started feeling some deep soreness in my legs. Not the kind from working out, but a bone-aching feeling. The kind you get from being sick. Monday rolled around and around 9am, as I began to work, I found myself bent over my desk feeling incredibly crappy. Nauseous, with chills, then sweats. I knew I was sick. I drove myself to get a COVID test and when I got home, my fever was raging. Staring at my computer and phone made my head sear with pain, and I resigned myself to taking the rest of the day off. I told some coworkers, and they wished me well, told me they'd move our meetings back a few days until I felt better. It was like something I'd never experienced before, and I was praying to God that it was just a flu, maybe from stress from work and not COVID. I still had taste and smell, but I also got my flu shot. I thought to myself, please, let it be the flu, a cold, anything but COVID. As the day went on, a dark dread began to overwhelm me. I didn't know the result of my COVID test yet, but I knew I was pretty sick. I had to tell my boyfriend. 
oh god, what was he going to think? How is he going to react knowing that less than 12 hours ago we were together with masks off? I prayed to God that he was protected and wasn't also sick. That night, I had to tell him I was super sick and that he was probably exposed to whatever I had. I thought he might break up with me right then and there. He's been so careful, almost militant about not going out, even to grocery stores, because taking any risk is a risk when it comes to COVID. I didn't know how he'd react if we both caught it. Thankfully, he was kind, patient, and understanding. He told me to get some rest, that he'd pray for me, and to keep him posted on how I was doing. It touched my heart that he was focused on my well-being. Maybe he kept his freaking out in his own head, but I truly appreciate his reaction. I also had to tell my father, who was about to turn 65 in a few days, and had his vaccine appointment set up. How crappy would it be if he caught COVID on the eve of his vaccine? Whenever I go to my parents' house, I always make sure to stay masks and outside of six feet of them, and keep my visits brief. I prayed those precautions were enough to keep my family safe. My dad was calm, and we decided not to freak out until I got my results back, but just to focus on getting better. The next day, I woke up feeling less feverish, but I was nauseous, sick to my stomach. I ended up vomiting and almost passing out. I spent most of my day trying to sleep and get through the headaches, muscle soreness, aches, pains, chills, and sweats, and nausea. It hurt so much to look at my phone, but I was trying to keep my loved ones updated on how I was feeling. See, I live alone. I have family nearby, but I don't have roommates or anyone that would know if I passed out cold on the floor somewhere. Have y'all seen the first scene of 30 Rock? The one where Liz Lemon has to give herself the Heimlich maneuver from choking on something while alone in her apartment? Yeah, my head was there. At least I had my dog. Surely he would warn my neighbors if anything were to happen, right? Psh, yeah, right. This guy couldn't even figure out how to relieve himself in my backyard. I was in no condition to walk him, so I called for help. On the eve of my birthday, my sister Nikki and dad came to pick up my dog Maui. I was excited to see them because right before they arrived, I got some good news. My COVID test came back negative. Yes, I did just have the flu. That must be why my fever only lasted a day. I was so relieved. They took my dog, wished me a happy birthday, and we figured we'd see each other in a few days, once I was well enough to care for Maui again. It was a lonely night without my little pup by my side, but I felt so grateful to have a family so willing to help and take care of my baby so I could focus on getting better. Major props to parents who get sick and still have to take care of their kids. I have no clue how y'all do it, but you're superheroes. I woke early on my 32nd birthday to attend a global summit for work. There were people from all over the world attending, so unfortunately my plans to sleep in a bit on my special day got thwarted. But I was happy to be a part of the summit. It sounded super cool. The meeting lasted an hour and a half, and I was struggling. I was in bed, camera off, but struggling to keep it together. My head was on fire. Thankfully, I didn't have to present, but there were some questions coming my way, so I had to be engaged and aware, ready at any moment to answer a question. As I unmuted my mic, I realized I hadn't yet spoken that day. So I muted, cleared my throat, <clears throat> did some weird singing things, and then unmuted. I really hoped they couldn't tell I was sick from my voice. I think it went pretty well. My colleague and I debriefed and chatted afterwards. He had just gotten better from what he suspected was COVID and shared that his wife had to take care of him on her birthday. I told him I was spending my birthday taking care of my sick self. He was shocked that it was my birthday, wished me to feel better, and gave me props for attending the meeting so early. Then, he surprised me. Seriously, y'all, I was floored. In the midst of a hard day, he insisted on sending me lunch. 
I was nearly in tears. It was so thoughtful. He and his wife own a local cookie business. He was able to send me a sandwich with two of their delicious chocolate chip cookies. Holy cow, it was so good. It's times like these where a simple gesture, offering a simple meal to someone in need, can have an incredible impact. It definitely made my birthday feel so much less crappy. If you're in the Bay Area, check out Choco Cookies. Highly recommend, and they deliver the cookies fresh. The next surprise for my birthday was a call from my best friends, Amy and Con, who y'all know well. We make up the three musketeers. They surprise called me to wish me a happy birthday and to tell me to check my door at lunch. They also sent me something as well. How sweet, right? They knew I wasn't feeling well on my special day, so they sent me pho. Just what the doctor ordered. My friends are so freaking amazing. I am so thankful for their thoughtfulness, their generosity, and love. We played around with some fun Facebook filters, took some embarrassing photos, and they wished me a happy birthday. Thank you so much, Amy and Khan, for the delicious pho. Actually, Amy and Khan and their partners also sent me the most beautiful bouquet of flowers from Farm Girl Flowers. Wow, were they gorgeous. I feel so spoiled by them. They are so good to me. And Farm Girl Flowers is one of my favorite flower companies. Local to the Bay Area, they create some of the most beautiful bouquets. This bouquet actually had orchids in them too, which was super cool. I put them in my room to admire as I fought my sickness. The rest of my day was full of messages from friends and family, wishing me a happy birthday. I took the rest of the day off to focus on my sickness, but I found myself constantly checking my phone. I wanted so badly to respond to people's texts right away, but every time I looked at my phone, my head would feel like it was exploding. I hid myself in the darkest part of my apartment, put a blanket on my head, and did my best to respond quickly so I didn't have to look at my phone any longer than I needed to. This was probably a bad move, because it wasn't making me any better. I remember sitting on my sofa, blanket over my sick head, eyes closed, then hearing a buzz from my phone. I desperately wanted to read the message, but I wasn't quite ready to get another headache. Not being able to quickly check my phone gave me a glimpse of what it's like to be vision impaired. Sure, there's the talkback feature on my phone, but I didn't know how to use it. I also didn't have my earbuds on to read my notifications to me. I felt frustrated, wishing I wasn't so dependent on my sight to connect with friends and family. Even though my disability was temporary, I couldn't help but think of the people who are permanently vision impaired. At least I had the option to open my eyes and quickly read a text, despite that resulting headache. But for people who struggle with their vision, don't have that option. Anyway, I digress, but it's something to keep thinking about as we as a society design digital products for people. The next day, I tried again to work. My fever, for the most part, kept around 99 to 100 degrees. I made it through my first morning meeting with a slight headache and mostly kept my eyes closed. After the meeting, I ate a banana, began to chew on it, then realized uh, I couldn't taste it. I freaked out. And then I began frantically trying to smell other things in my house, like coffee, perfumes. Okay, I could smell them, but what about my taste? I was freaked out that maybe I did have COVID. I mustered enough energy to drive myself to get another COVID test. I wasn't super dizzy yet, but I knew as the day went on, I'd lose my energy. I took a test and began praying hard that I didn't have COVID, but something inside of me was telling me I did. It was then that I began frantically texting friends, thinking I'm COVID positive, looking up articles on the likelihood of false negative results, and I was sick with worry that I actually did expose my friends and family to COVID. One of my friends who I saw over the weekend is pregnant, so I was super worried I infected her. Thankfully, both her and her husband both tested negative twice. I was in full freakout mode, all while dealing with crazy aches and pains. I think I was feeling 
5% better and then all of a sudden feel 20% worse. I could hardly get to my kitchen to refill water for myself. I began ordering large liter bottles of water on Instacart so I wouldn't need to get up to filter more water. I emailed my doctors. I was supposed to have a surgery the following week and I didn't know if I'd be able to make it. Both my doctors were aware of my quote-unquote flu-like symptoms and that my first test came back negative. One doctor told me that I could still have COVID despite a negative result if my symptoms got worse. I'm thankful she said this because it prompted me to test again. This time, I was positive for COVID-19. If I were to have taken the first test seriously and left my quarantine, I could have really put someone at risk. This specific doctor, God bless her, was generous in her advice and told me to drink plenty of fluids, take vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc. The other doctor told me to continue taking ibuprofen. I'm no medical professional, but if you can, take vitamin D supplements, especially since it's winter. And as for vitamin C and zinc, I don't think there's much evidence in it reducing symptoms. It certainly didn't do it for me, but maybe it can for you. I did find some evidence that vitamin D has shown to reduce the severity of COVID symptoms. And while I'm on this topic, take Tylenol or something with acetaminophen as early as possible. Ibuprofen is safe to take, but will not be nearly strong enough. For some weird reason, I decided to stick to Theraflu since I heard from others that it helped them sleep. And I needed something strong enough to knock me out long enough to get some quality rest. Problem is, Theraflu only has 650 milligrams of acetaminophen, as well as a bunch of other active ingredients. Theraflu also requires you to boil water, mix the powder, and then drink it within 15 minutes to work. This sounds really simple, but it was incredibly difficult. I could hardly get myself to the kitchen. I felt so lightheaded and weak. Even the simplest thing felt impossible and dangerous. One time, as I was rinsing some strawberries in the kitchen, I actually felt so dizzy that I nearly fainted. I got really hot all of a sudden, my vision began going black, and I felt my balance was off. Quickly, I tried to get myself onto my bed and missed it by a few feet. I fell on my floor, closed my eyes. I didn't fully faint, but I could have. I rolled myself on my back and propped my legs up on a nearby box. That was my Liz Lemon moment. The moment where I could have hit my head on something and passed out. No one would ever know. All my worst nightmares began popping into my head. This was not good. I was not getting better. I could hardly take care of myself. All of a sudden, my phone became my lifeline. I made sure that if I were to leave my bed, my phone was with me at all times. I would need some way to call for help. I wondered if my Google Home would be able to dial 911 for me, or at least call someone who would call 911. I thought about who had a key to my apartment in case I needed to be rescued. I thought about telling my neighbors, but I don't know them that well, so I felt like it would be awkward. I chose to tell my friends what happened. These two friends, you'll hear in an upcoming episode, were so incredible throughout this ordeal. Not only did one bake delicious birthday scones for me, which she left on my porch, but they also texted me daily to check in. My friends were super concerned that I nearly passed out in my apartment while I was alone, and one even offered to come be my caretaker. My heart was a roller coaster. I was so touched that she was willing to put herself at risk to care for me, get me food, make sure I had enough water, make sure I didn't injure myself further. But I was also really conflicted. I didn't want to put her at risk. We talked about potentially moving me back into my parents' house and quarantining me in a section. But again, I didn't want to put anyone at risk. I felt like I had the plague, a deathly, highly contagious and dangerous plague. I didn't want anyone else to get it. So we decided I would stay alone in my apartment. 
but to keep everyone posted virtually. I'll tell you, the next few days were the hardest part of my battle. And thank the Lord for the individuals who came and left homemade food on my doorstep. I had friends drive from far away to bring me meals I could heat up and live off of for a few days. I had friends texting me every few hours, checking in on how I was doing. Nearly everyone offered to get me food. I'm so thankful. I even had a friend's mom make me the most delicious soup and porridge. Family and friends left lemons for vitamin C and oranges to snack on. And some friends even dropped off medicine and a pulse oximeter in the late hours of the night to make sure I was monitoring my oxygen levels. Text after text, I felt so loved. I felt like I wasn't alone. But I'd be lying if I said it felt like enough. I was still struggling to feed myself. I was nauseous most of the time and I couldn't tell what my stomach was trying to tell me. It felt like it was in knots one moment, making strange sounds, feeling like a gaping hole, but I didn't feel hunger, just nausea. I didn't want to eat and I didn't feel like eating, so I began to starve, unintentionally. It got so bad I couldn't sleep. One night, it took me an hour going from my bedroom to kitchen to sofa and then back to the kitchen to make myself some tea to calm my nausea at 3 in the morning. I kept having to go from my kitchen to my sofa because I felt so weak. I thought I may pass out on the hard ground. It was torture. I felt so alone. It also never occurred to me that my body must be starving and that's why I felt nauseous. I didn't realize it until after I went to the ER and talked to my doctor a few days later. Maybe if someone had been in the house with me, they would have realized sooner that I hadn't eaten a thing the last few days. I lost 7 pounds. My muscles had atrophied. My stomach was so small that it hurt after I ate anything. I was struggling to get it right. On top of that, I began to have a hard time breathing. You know that feeling when you take a breath while climbing a tall mountain and your breath gets cut short? Yeah, that's shortness of breath. My chest was hurting too. I found myself grabbing the left side of my chest as I felt stabbing pains while breathing. On Saturday, day 10 since my first symptoms appeared, and also Valentine's Day, I was so weak that my boyfriend got really worried. He asked his sister, who is a nurse, what her thoughts were, and she strongly suggested I go to the ER. I cried hearing this. I was terrified to go to the ER. I've seen those shows, blood everywhere, they put you in an emergency surgery, they keep you there, and it's a slippery slope to a ventilator and my all-too-soon death. I didn't want to go. I thought I might die and never be able to see my family again. I would die alone, like half a million other Americans who lost their battle to COVID. I cried while my boyfriend and his sister tried to convince me to go. That it'd be better to go. I even called a nurse using One Medical, and she told me to go and lightly threatened to call 911 if I didn't go because she was concerned for me. I cried as I told my family I was headed to the ER. They were terrified too. What if they kept me? I'm thankful for my boyfriend's sister. She talked me through every step and stayed up late checking in on me. The ER staff did everything she said they would. They took my vitals, gave me fluids, took an EKG, chest x-ray, blood work, and a CT scan to check if my shortness of breath and chest pain was not caused from any complications. Fortunately, the ER was relatively empty that night. Maybe it was because it was Valentine's Day and most people were at home, or maybe it was because it was dark and stormy outside, or also because it was a three-day weekend and people were out of town. Whatever it is, I'm thankful I went to the hospital that night. The staff were all really friendly, calm, and caring. Maybe they were less stressed now since they were all fully vaccinated. I felt less guilty bringing COVID into the hospital because people were vaccinated. I was still really careful about my mask, but they seemed to have COVID protocols figured out in the ER. 
My family was also terrified while I was in the ER, so I tried to keep them up to date. My boyfriend, bless his heart, was sitting outside in the car for four hours as they processed me. He risked his safety to drive me to the ER. I knew he must love me a lot to do this. Thank you, Nick. I didn't want to worry others, so I kept mostly to myself. Plus, it's hard to text when you have a pulse oximeter and IV in your arms and hands. Still, I'm thankful for hospitals allowing phones. What do people do without phones in the past? Just sit there in silence, alone, and disconnected from everyone and everything? Anyways, thankfully there were no complications. They sent me home with an inhaler for my breath and instruction to follow up with my doctor the next day. The IV made me feel so much better. The ER doctor said he thinks my symptoms will break soon and to keep fighting. Take stronger Tylenol and it will be over soon. There's no reason to believe I'd take a turn for the worst. Thankful and exhausted, I was driven home, windows down on the dark, wet night. I made it. They didn't keep me. Hallelujah. I think it was at this point where I didn't necessarily feel like I was getting better, but I knew I wasn't dying, that the emotional and mental battle really began. I was exhausted, both physically and mentally. For 11 days, I took care of myself. Where did it get me? In the ER, and afraid I was going to pass out again, alone, in my apartment. The doctor said lightheadedness and dizziness was normal and to just be really careful at home. As long as my oxygen saturation levels were above 92%, I'd be okay. Thankfully, my fever mostly kept around 99.7, and since I was on Tylenol total strength, I was finally able to sleep properly, relatively pain-free. One weird thing is that right before I needed to redose, I'd get chills, feel like I was freezing in my 75-degree room, then take Tylenol and feel like I was melting. My heart also felt like it was racing whenever I took Tylenol. I should probably ask my doctor about that more later. I had to systematize my Tylenol. Around five to five and a half hours in, I take another 1,000 milligrams of acetophenamine to avoid the chills. I'd still get extremely warm, which made sleeping impossible, but eventually after an hour or two, I could get some rest. I forced myself to eat every few hours, and I was downing liter after liter of electrolyte water to stay hydrated. My friends would text me every few hours to check in. I would tell them I'm still not feeling better yet. Incredibly frustrated, I vented to them about how hard everything was, how lonely I felt, and how hard it was to be my own caretaker. I vented about how unfair COVID is. It's a nasty virus that doesn't allow anyone to care for you without putting them at risk. It's a virus that also isolates us from loved ones. Only I could ensure I would survive. Only I could help my own outcome. I hated that. People don't talk about how isolating and difficult it is to care for yourself when you have COVID. Sure, some people have no choice but to continue living in their family's home with only a closed door to protect the rest of their family. At least I wasn't putting anyone at risk. But that also meant I was all alone, physically. My friends tried their hardest to encourage me and tell me that I wasn't alone and to keep fighting. But I'll be honest, it was really hard. I was in such a dark place. I was exhausted and I was still barely sleeping. Every day, my head would feel like it was exploding, no thanks to the constant banging of construction happening across the street. Every few minutes, a car alarm would go off, and the stupid train would pass by blaring its horn. I blasted a deep sleep playlist on Spotify to block the noise with more noise, and covered my head with my pillow. I know this is getting really dark, but I just want to be honest with my experience. I remember a moment in which I decided to blast some worship music, began praying to God to help me. In my deep desperation, I began calling out to him sobbing for relief and for Jesus to save me. I knew I wasn't going to die, 
but I was tired of the torture. Eventually, after much trial and error, on day 14 of COVID, I had figured out a system and began regaining some strength back. Forcing myself to eat, no matter how crappy I felt, made all the difference. My symptoms mostly subsided. I was apprehensive about telling friends I was feeling better because I feared I may slide back down again. Thankfully, I did begin to feel better. That same day, a contact tracer with the county reached out to me to ask me how I was doing, if I needed resources, and also wanted to know who I may have infected. She was a kind lady, very empathetic, patient, and understanding. She didn't make me feel guilty or wrong for having caught COVID. She answered a lot of my questions and gave me resources should I need assistance. It was a little too late for me to use the resources since I was already feeling better, but I did appreciate the time she spent with me on the phone. I felt seen and valued as a resident of the county that someone would call my personal phone and talk with me, wishing me to feel better. She told me that in order to get out of isolation, I'd have to be past 10 days since my symptoms began, my symptoms improving, and go 24 hours fever-free without fever-reducing medication. I finally felt like I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. My friends and family continue to check in regularly with me. Have y'all ever heard of prospect theory? It states that losses hurt more than gains feel good. Naturally, as humans, we are more inclined to focus on the negative of things than the good. Bad news spreads exponentially faster than good news. Even though I should have been rejoicing and happy that I had turned a corner, I was restless and impatient. I wanted to be 100% better now. I wanted to see people, to have human contact again. I wanted to not be treated like I had the plague, like I was a leper. I wanted to be safe to be around. I was cleared by the county and my doctor that I no longer needed to be in isolation, but my family was still worried about bringing me home to continue the rest of my recovery with them. I understood their hesitation, but wanted so badly for some companionship and nurturing. I was done caring for myself. I desired to be taken care of. My friends really helped shift my perspective during these times. They heard me out, listened to me, allowed me to vent, and tried to empathize with me even though they could hardly understand my state of mind. But they tried. They tried to pull me back in and reset my perspective to be more positive. They reassured me that my family loves me, but because they're at high risk, I just need to be patient. They rebuked me when I let myself slide down a dark slope and brought me back into the light. I'm so thankful for them. One friend even came over and hung out with me for a few hours. We both wore masks and mostly stayed away from each other. But it was so touching how she would come to be by my side as I teetered into depression. Depression is a common outcome of COVID. I already struggle with a bit of depression and I'm on medication. Having my friend show up at my door, spending time with me, felt so good. I felt like I could do another few days of isolation, enough to buy my family time to feel comfortable around me. I am so grateful and in awe at how my friends showed up for me. Whether it was dropping off homemade food, offering to order food, texting me words of encouragement, or listening to me vent, I am so thankful that I have the support system I have. There were times in which I felt it was difficult to appreciate them because I felt so physically and literally alone, but they did their best in holding me up. My friends were my lifeline. Without them, I don't know where I'd be. This virus freaking sucks and forces you to be alone, so please, Continue wearing a mask, socially distance, and try your best not to catch this thing. I still struggle a lot with shame in having caught it. I feel judged by others. I didn't try enough to be more careful. But honestly, I've just had to accept that sometimes, and part of my language, shit happens. You can try your hardest to control the things around you, but sometimes you'll be at the wrong place at the wrong time, and you'll find yourself completely out of control. 
I've had to learn to extend grace to myself, to forgive myself for having caught it, even though it wasn't my fault. I'm still processing it all and my body is still recovering. But I hope my COVID story can shed some light on how to survive it if you end up catching it and show you how important friends are. If you know of someone who is struggling with COVID, there are still ways you can help support them. Show them that you care by checking in, bring them food, and encourage them to keep fighting. It's an incredibly isolating illness, so let your friend know that you're thinking of them and that they are not alone. Let them vent and pull them out of the darkness. If you do have COVID, let your friends help you. It is in these moments where you discover who your true friends are, who you lean on in the darkest moments. It's okay to be in need. We will get through this. I wish you all good health and safety during these challenging times. Thank you so much for listening to my story. And special thanks to my friends and family for all your love, support, and prayers. Thank you to my caring doctors who also prayed for me. I appreciate you so much. Make sure you subscribe to the show because the next episode is a juicy one. Finally, y'all will get to meet my boyfriend, Nick. He will be sharing about his experience in being related to his best friends and how that changes the dynamics of friendship. I love you all. Until next time.